favor obliviates. It destroys, it demolishes, it eliminates, it annihilates, and it abolishes every disadvantage that Satan tries to bring to you. Every disadvantage, favor of God will take it away. And it's to build a legacy. I don't know why I'm humming, but I'm humming. Esther 2.9 says, Now the young women pleased him, and she obtained his favor. So he readily gave beauty preparation for her besides her allowance. Then seven choice maidservants were provided for her from the king's palace, and he moved her and her maidservant to the best place in the house of the women. She had God's favor from the get-go. God had it in plan years before it ever happened. God had it there. And I have thought about this leaving a legacy ever since Pastor Rose asked me to speak. What kind of a legacy am I leaving? What am I doing for God? What am I going to be remembered for? Probably a lot of things I could be remembered for. Maybe not such good things, but I want to be remembered for the good things. I want to be remembered for the godly things. You know, there was a time in my life, I was raised in church. I've always been in church. But there was a time in my life when I had more going out than I had coming in. I had more bills going out, more money going out than I had coming in. I never one time went without something that I needed. God always supplied my need. My bills were always paid. I had everything I needed, and I had the favor of God. The sad thing is, I didn't always recognize the favor of God. Sometimes I don't recognize. Sometimes I get grouchy and, hate and irritable. I know you find that hard to believe, but I do. When things don't go like I think they should. But I have the favor of God. I have, I've been blessed. It was back in the 70s, you know, when the plants were all closing and people were losing their jobs. And uh, Jerry uh, was working where they closed the plant and he lost his job. But, you know, God always gave us favor. When he was out of a job, I, God would always supply a job for me. There would always be somebody that knew me, that remembered me, that would call me, and I would go and work. I had a, we had our daughter at that time. She required 24-hour day surveillance, and so I didn't work full-time. And so she was just a handful. But anyway, he would always supply the job for me to do. Now, when I was out working, old Jerry, he had to do the cooking and the cleaning and the laundry and all that kind of stuff and have it done by the time I got home. I was kidding. He didn't do all that stuff for me. So God worked it out. It was a team. He worked it out. And then there was a time when I got a permanent, temporary permanent job at Quaker Oats. I was the first and maybe the last, maybe I did on me, I don't know, permanent part-time person. I got insurance and I got holiday pay, which at that time was completely unheard of. Every day on my way to work, I would pray for the favor of God. I would pray God to give me favor for the people that I had to work with because I worked all over the shop. Not out in the shop, but in the office. I worked all over. And I prayed for favor. 
Every day on the way to work, I would pray for a permanent position for that place. But you know what? Didn't happen. And I thought, God, what is up with this? What are you doing? I didn't understand. And I got irritable. But I didn't understand. I didn't understand why God wouldn't give me that job. It was a good job. It made, I made good money. I had good benefits. I couldn't understand it. But he didn't. There was a guard that worked at Quaker Roads that recognized my work ethics. And his wife worked for the Marion County Board of DD. And he told me about a job at that place. And so I reluctantly applied for that job. Very disgruntled, very disappointed, but I applied. Well, they called me for the job. Well, no, they didn't call me for the job. They called and told me I didn't get the job. I said, well, okay, thank you. What's up with this, God? What are you doing? About 10 minutes later, they called me back and told me that I had the job if I wanted it. And I took it. But it was a $2.50 an hour cut in pay. And I said, oh, God, what are you doing? But you know, you keep going. Sometimes you don't even recognize your faith, but you keep going. Sometimes you don't recognize the favor of God, but you keep going. Well, it was about two years later, Quaker Oats went out of business. They left Marion. If God had not have provided for me, I would have been without a job. But God placed me there. And then as I was placed there, within there, they had a job that I applied for. Guess what? I didn't get that one either. And sometimes it's like God messes with your mind because he wants to see how much faith you really have. And, you know, I said, oh, well, whatever. But that girl only lasted a couple weeks, and they, she got fired. And so they called me and said if I won that job. And I said, yeah. I was in that job for 20 plus years, and God prevent, uh, promoted me and advanced me, and I was there. And what was one thing, good thing about it, he gave me a boss that protected me. He had my back. I knew that if anything came down, he would protect me. And God placed me in that position, and he was a Christian man, and we shared the word of God, but he placed me there, and all that time I thought, you know, that was a rough, rough three or four years. And finances were tight. But you see, God's favor, nothing can stand in the way. It, is, it may not be in your time. It may not be the, the way you think it's going to be. But there is nothing that can stand in God's favor. Nothing. And the secret of it is, is you have to allow it to happen. I could tell you about the time when finances were tight, real tight. Do you guys remember the 70s when the, when the economy was really tight? Well, our son played basketball, and so it must have been in the winter months. And uh, we were coming home from a basketball game, our son and our daughter, and Jerry was working. And about a mile and a half to two miles from our house, the car starts spitting and sputtering. It was out of gas. And I started praying. I started praying in tongues. I started commanding that car, and I started. And that, I drove that car home a mile and a half to two miles. And when I pulled in the driveway, it stopped. 
I don't even think we had enough to start it again in the tank. But God provided. Now, whether it was on fumes or whether there was a wind behind me, I don't know. Of course, the kids didn't open their mouth. The kids sit there, they were quiet as church mouse. They didn't say a word. I think they were kind of scared because I was really going at it. You know, when you get into prayer and you get into battle, you really go at it. I think they were scared. But anyway, I could tell you many, many more times uh, that God supplied my need where I was. And I can tell you many, many times he didn't do it like I think he should. I can tell you that right now. He didn't do it in my time frame. I can tell you that. But I always have come out victorious. I have always come out victorious. And when you look into the word of God, you look at all the legacies. I was thinking this morning, that Bible is a, a toolbox full of tools that God has left for us. He has given us the favor. We could talk about Abraham. You know, Abram was his first name, which meant high father, not high father, but high father. But God changed his name to fit his calling. He get, changed his name to fit the favor of God, which is father of a multitude, Abraham. Every time somebody said, hi, Abraham, they were setting their, their words in line with the word of God. He was using all the people to bring the word of God to pass. When he said, hi, Abraham, you're going to be a multitude. You're going to have a multitude of people. Noah, it means rest. Never be afraid to try something new. Remember, amateurs built the ark. Professionals built the Titanic. So never be afraid to try something new. Because when God's in it, it's going to work. If God's in it, it's going to float. Now, obviously, he wasn't in the Titanic because it sunk. But when God is in it, it's going to work. It's going to go. It's going to float. It may not look like it. You know, Noah, he found grace in the eyes of God, right? He could have basked in God's goodness and favor and grace day and night. He could just sit there, you know, and just soaked up God's grace and favor day and night. But if he hadn't obeyed God's commandments, he would have drowned with the rest of them. So his secret really wasn't finding grace in the eyes of God. His secret was he obeyed the commandments that God gave him. And that's the secret for us today. When we obey the commandments that God gives us, that's the secret for today. Grace did not save him. Obedience did. We could look at Jacob and Ruth and Deborah and David and many, many more. These are examples for us. God left them there for an example for us, to encourage us, to help us when we're going through trials. But maybe also to show us what we need to do to save Marion, Ohio. And you know, ever since Pastor Rose has been here, that's been his message. That has been his message. I have a cousin, a first cousin, whose name is Tom. Just last week, his stepson, 37 years old, OD'd on heroin. Now that's sad. Was there anybody in his life to tell him about Jesus? I don't know. I don't even hardly know my cousin, my first cousin Tom, let him know him. I don't know. I pray that somebody somewhere will get in there. I was also thinking this morning sitting back there, heroin is kind of like, you know, when Herod tried to kill all the kids two years and under, all the males two years and under? Heroin has taken our young people. 
heroin, Satan is using heroin to take out a generation. Abortion also takes out the uh, generations, but heroin is using, Satan is using heroin to take out a uh, generation. We're going to talk today about Esther. Esther was sent to save the Jewish people. Are we sent to save Marion? Are we sent to save that person that, that's lost and undone? Are we that person today? You know, her name, her Persian name was Hadassah. Esther means Jewish heroine. And we're going to look at some history of Esther. In Esther, the second chapter, uh, verse 5 and 6, it talks about Mordecai's relatives being taken captive in Babylon and now being released. Do you guys remember the story in Jeremiah 29, 4 through 6? Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. He told them to build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may increase there and not diminish. When God gave them up for captivity in Babylon, he had a purpose. He had a plan. They were there for 70 years. He had a plan when he told them to do all that so they wouldn't diminish. If you ever notice, every time the Israelites were in captivity, they grew. They grew a number. They got bigger. And when, I don't know, maybe they had to be in captivity to do that. I don't know. But anyway, they, they kept growing in number. But God had a purpose. He had a reason. God had a plan. He allowed them to be taken captive, but he wasn't going to leave them there. Sometimes in our life, God has a plan, and you might feel like you're in captivity, but God will not leave you there. You need to dig in and find out what God has for you to do. You need to realize that the Jewish people blended in when, uh, into Persia, so they couldn't tell they were Jewish. They blended into the culture. Is that what we're doing today, the church is doing today? Are we trying to be so politically correct that we blend in with the culture that they can't tell we're Christians? But the Jewish people blended in so that they couldn't tell that they were Jews. In Esther 2.7, it talks about when Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Now, this had to be part of her history in order for her to fulfill what God had for her to do. You cannot amputate your history from your destiny. You cannot amputate your history from your destiny. Your history and the things that you have gone through will, and will go through are for a purpose, for your destiny. Joseph could not amputate his history because he needed that history to fulfill his destiny when he became second in command. Esther needed her history so she could fulfill her destiny to save the Jewish people. But the secret is to allow God to develop you 
through all those things that you have gone through and will go through. Have you ever had to go through the same thing again and again and again? You get tired of going around that same mountain? Well, learn what you're supposed to learn the first time around. You won't have to go around the second time. I have to. I'm not putting anybody down. I have to. And it's like sometimes, okay, God, I am sick and tired of this mountain. What is it you want me to learn? Kind of like Emily's, what is it in this verse you want me to learn? I can't lay here all night, God, and just for God so loved. I've got to get sleep. What is it you want me to learn? There are no coincidences. Your steps are ordered of the Lord. You know, sometimes you think something happens, you think, oh, that was a coincidence. There's no coincidences. Psalms 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. God orders your steps. And sometimes, now you have to be careful about that and make sure that you're following God. And don't blame things on God when God's not within 2,000 miles of it. So make sure you're following God when you talk about my steps are ordered of him and he delights in my ways. Because I say, I'm probably the only one here that's ever done, you know, got out on my own and wondered, oh dear God, where are you? My steps are ordered of God. And he said, well, I left you, I left you way back here. And you know, you kind of have to backtrack and go back and pick him back up again. Nobody's done that, I know, but me. But coincidences are miracles in which God prefers to remain anonymous. I want you to think about the coincidences in your life. I thought about Pastor Rowe. 16 years ago, he said he got his suitcase and got on a Greyhound bus. Said he'd never get on another Greyhound bus. Was that a coincidence? No. Because God brought him to, in a Marion 16 years ago, preparing him for today. The things that he went through, I remember not too awful long ago, he talked about always being the person serving. When is anybody going to serve me? I was always the person serving. But while he was serving, it was for a purpose. It wasn't for a coincidence. God was teaching him. God was leading him. And every one of us are in the same scenario. But how does your coincidences affect you? Sometimes I get aggravated. When we're in Florida and our air conditioner wasn't working, I called this guy and says, you know, I'm hot. And I get cranky when I'm hot because I don't get hot very often. So how do your coincidences affect you? Even with our, I just thought about this, even with our air conditioner not working. And I called the people where we bought the camper from and was yelling at them. And I told this guy, I said, I think the air conditioner got scared because he heard me yelling at the guy and it started working. The guy said, well, Maybe it's the power of prayer. Touche. <laughs> when you have a coincidence or that something does it draw you closer to God, do you become discouraged? Sometimes I become discouraged. I think we all do. And it's not a sin to become discouraged. It's a sin if you stay there, but it's not a sin to become discouraged. You need to, you know, shake yourself. How did it change you? Did it build your faith? Sometimes my coincidences have been my own doings, and I admit that. But I struggle through them, and God can still use them, even if it's me. God can still use them if I turn them over to him. But um, Esther 
was an orphan, adopted, and a stranger. She was a Jew in a Persian land. She was disadvantaged and, she, and disqualified, but she was promoted. She moved from a nobody to a somebody. Do you ever feel like you're disadvantaged? Do you ever feel un, uh, adequate, inadequate? I feel inadequate a lot of times. But God has a track record of bringing greatness out of unlikely places. You remember when David was anointed king? Where was David? Out in the back 40. I don't know if it was 40 or not, but he's out in the backfield. They didn't even think enough of him to call him in to give him a chance. He was disadvantaged. But who did God use? When Solomon was crowned king, his brother was over a couple streets preparing to become king. But God had already decided it was Solomon and crowned him king. So he knows how to elevate ordinary people to extraordinary positions. And, you know, we sometimes think, oh, I'm not nobody, uh, you know. God has a purpose, and he can take you and elevate you to places where you never dreamed you would be. Okay, we'll get into the story of Esther. At the time, uh, Persia ruled the world. It was the biggest country. It had the most power. It was the strongest nation, and King Xerxes ruled. One interesting fact about the book of Esther, God's name never appears in the entire book. His actions do, his thoughts do, his plans do, his fingerprints are, are everywhere, but his name never appears. Isn't that interesting? God, it's a great name, it never appears. They, after they had the deliverance, the book of Esther is so important that they had a, a feast of Purim. It's celebrated on the 14th and 15th of the Feast of Adar, and it's a day that the Jews celebrate of coming out of captivity with uh, King Xerxes when they were in Persia. And they celebrate it. The book of Esther is so important that they read that book out loud through the entirety when they have this feast. It's that important. Even though God's, name, God's name's not mentioned, all of the other attributes that God was involved in is so important. It's a very, it's the most precious book to the Jews. The first chapter of Esther tells us about King Xerxes, and it has the other name that starts with an A that's almost impossible to pronounce. And he was having a, a big feast. He had invited all the dignitaries from all over, and they had been eating and drinking and making merry. And he wanted Queen Vesti to come down with her crown on and strut her stuff. He wanted to show her off. He wanted to see, this is what I have. Well, guess what, girls? She didn't come. She refused. But God had a plan. God was in all of it. He had a plan for her not to come down. He had a plan. She refused, and it just made him furious. I can't imagine that happening, can you ladies? Just made him furious. But God had a plan. He was planning and had it all worked out to deliver his people. And it was all well orchestrated. Because one of the eunuchs, after she refused to come down, and his name is Mimicon, he, he was an advisor to King Xerxes. And he decreed to, to the king, you know, you should never let her come down again. You should get rid of her. Which, this one 
was ordained by God. Be careful who you take advice from. Make sure that when you get advice from somebody, it's godly advice. This particular one was godly because it was God setting up the, the happenings to deliver his people. But King Xerxes took uh, his advice and he sent out letter all over the, the Persian kingdom. And they, so they started looking for a new, a new queen. Esther 2.2 says, 2 through 4, the king's servants who attended him said, let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king and let the king appoint officers in all the providences of his kingdom that they may gather all the beautiful young virgins to Shushan the citadel into the women's quarters under the custody of Hegahi, the king's eunuch, custodian of the women, and let beauty preparations be given them. Then let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. And this pleased the king to do so. In 8 through 9, in that same chapter, so it was when the king's command and decree were heard, and when many young women were gathered at Shushan, the citadel, under the custody of Hagahi, that Esther also was taken to the king's palace into the care of Hagahi, the custodian of women. Now, don't you find it interesting that Esther was just at the right place at the right time with the right people? It was all ordained. You are at the right place at the right time with the right people. As long as you're seeking God. You, he, he's got your hand, his hand on you. And at times when you don't understand where you are and why you're there, maybe you should take a minute and say, God, why am I here and where am I going? Okay, now the young women pleased him, and she obtained his favor. There's that favor again. So he readily gave her beauty preparations to her besides her allowance. She got all the beauty preparations that everybody else did and then some. And she was already a beautiful lady. Then seven choice maidservants were provided for her from the king's palace, and he moved her and her maidservant to the best place in the house of the women. The ancient uh, Jewish historian Josiah says Xerxes had 400 women to select from. Now Esther went out. 400 women. And they were pretty women. They were beautiful. They were virgins. I don't, I don't think, if that was me and Jerry, I'd say, go for it, Jerry. I'll see you some other time. <laughs> I wouldn't like those, those things. But 400 women. But she was lovely and beautiful. She pleased and found favor with the custodian of the women who gave her beauty preparations besides her allowance. She got extra special treatment. And I am proposing to you that God can give you extra special treatment. Those are pretty strong words. But God is able to give you extra special treatment. She got, choice, uh, she got seven choice maidservants from the king's palace and was moved to the best place in the house of the women. She had all the advantages. Her, the favor took away, demolished all the disadvantages that she had. 
And this favor right here just took all of the disadvantages away from her and gave her the favor of God. And he can do the same for you. I mean, we've had blessings with um, Eli, not Eli, Ian and, and Emily and uh, his house over here where they got houses. God gave them favor. God set them up. God gave them favor. I know, I don't know if Pastor Rose found his house yet or not, but God's going to give him favor. God's going to put him at the right place at the right time with the right amount of money, and it's going to be just what they want, just what God has for them. Because they are faithful to God, God is no respecter of person. The same favor that worked for Esther will work for them and will work for all of us too. And so we're believing for them, for the favor of God to go before them. Each in Esther 2, 12 and 13 each one young woman's turn came to go into the king after, he had, after she had completed 12 months of preparation according to the regulation for the women. For thus were the days of their preparation apportioned, six months with oil and myrrh and six months with perfumes and preparations for beautifying women. Now, I like to get massages, so I think I could go with this anytime. I mean, I could do that. Thus it prepared each young woman that's when she was prepared, each young woman went into the king, and she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the women's quarters in the king's palace. So everything that they had in their room, they could take with them whatever they wanted to. Each woman had 12 months, a whole year of preparation. In Esther 2.15, now when the turn came for Esther, the, uh, Mordecai, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go into the king, she requested nothing but what? Hagahi, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. I want you to notice the difference in the women that went ahead of Esther. They took what they wanted to go in there to the king. But when Esther's time came, she asked the eunuch, Hegehi, what, what she should take because he knew the king. He knew the king. He knew what the king liked. And so she asked him. And, you know, sometimes it is so hard to take advice, isn't it? <laughs> it is so hard to take advice. And, you know, but that's what was her, one of her secrets was the fact that she took advice. And whenever it came her time to go to the king, and he knew what the king liked, she was willing. She didn't care if she liked blue, and he, if he liked purple, that was purple was going to be. She listened to the advice of her uh, eunuch. God's favor destroys, demolishes, eliminates every disadvantage. God's favor will bring to you what you are not qualified for. It will take you to places and heights you don't merit on your own. God's favor will open doors for you. Goodness and mercy will accompany you as you enter those doors. And she was promoted and celebrated. God's favor opened the door for her. I mean, she had nothing. She, the, she, there was a transfer of power. Don't settle for the bottom. You are king's kids. 
you are God's chosen. And you can be what God has called you to be. You don't have to settle for mundane or whatever. God started this process. Is anybody impatient in here besides me? Jerry, raise your hand because I know you're impatient. God started the process four years. It took him, that took the process four years to complete. Queen Vashti was dis disposed in the third year of King Xerxes' reign. Esther was not connected to the program of God. God started it until after a few years. She wasn't connected to that program until after a few years that God started it. Esther was crowned in the seventh year. So there was three years that she wasn't connected to the program, but God still had his hand on her. God started the process of promotion long ago. He's about to connect you to it. When Teresa was talking this morning in the, um, when she was giving the offering message, when she was talking about things are going to start happening, things are going to start doing, things are starting to come to pass, you are connected. You are already connected. If you are a child of God and you're seeking God, you are already connected. The prophetic words that's been spoken over you that you thought God and everybody else has forgotten has not been forgotten because God's word does not return into him void, but it accomplishes that which he sent forth to do. So you are in line for a promotion. He's, been out, he's about to connect you to it. Or maybe he's just started the process, beginning to look around to, for fresh doors to be opened. Don't just kind of go through life like this. Start looking for doors to be opened. Start looking for opportunities to trust God. Start looking for opportunities for his word to come to pass in your life. Her preparation lasted 12 months. He was un she was under the instructions of a man who knew what the king liked. She had seven special maidens, handmaidens, to anoint her body with special oils for 12 months. And sometimes, you know, if it doesn't happen within a week with me, I think, oh, that must not be God. I'll just move on. Anybody do that? But you need, I need to stop, and so do you if you do that. But you need to, she waited for 12 months of preparation. She was kept in the best part of the palace, the best part of the harem. She was given a special diet. She was located properly, connected properly, taught properly, fed properly, and dressed properly because of God's favor that started when they were back in captivity in the Babylon. He had his hand on her the whole time. Even at the death of her mom and dad, he had somebody there that, with the right place at the right time for the right thing. If Mordecai hadn't have adopted her and brought her in there, she wouldn't have been there. But God had her his hand. And she might have felt when her parents died, you know, like, where are you, God? What am I going to do now? Because, you know, back in the Bible times, old Bible times, women couldn't be by themselves. You know, they had to have the male to be with them. And she might have thought, God, where are you? What are you doing? But God had a purpose and God had a reason. While you are waiting, prepare. Don't just sit around and twiddle your thumbs. But prepare for what God is calling you to do. In verse 17, it says, The king loved Esther more than all the other women. And that's 399, ladies. And she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head 
and made her queen instead of Vashti. She was crowned king, queen, but she still didn't have the privilege of just going in and seeing him anytime she wanted to. He had to make an appointment. Because if you did go in there and he didn't call you, off of your head. But if he held out the golden scepter to you, you were accepted. And so she still had to wait. Well, if you read in, verse, in chapter 2, 19 through 23, Mordecai discovers Haman's plan to kill the Jews. One commentator said that Haman was a raging Nazi. Nothing would suit him better than the annihilation of the Jews. But Mordecai caught word of that. And in chapter 3, it talks about Haman's conspiracy against the Jews. So when Mordecai had learned about Haman's plot to kill the Jews, he sent word to Esther telling her what was going on. And I thought, you know, he didn't have the text or the iPad or the Facebook. You see these little old men running down the hallway. Esther, Esther. And he sent word to Esther about what Haman was going to do. And so Esther sent word back to him in the fourth chapter, 11th verse. It said, all the king's servants and the people of the king's providence know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death, except the one to whom the king holds the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go in in the king these 30 days. Esther was really saying, man, I understand what you're saying, but it's my life. I'm the one that's going to get off with the head. It's me. I understand what you're saying. And so she sent uh, that back to him. And then Mordecai answered her in, in four, chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. It says, and Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do you think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews? For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. You, yet, who knows whether you have come in the kingdom for such a time as this. Who knows that you have been brought to Marion for such a time as this. For the greatest revival that Marion has ever heard or have ever seen. But we have to be prepared. We have to be ready. He's saying, if you don't do this, God's going to raise up somebody else that will. But in the meantime, you and your family is going to be killed. But he will raise up somebody else because his will will be done. And God may be saying, if you don't do what I've asked you to, I will, I will use somebody else to raise Marion up. I will use somebody else to bring the revival into Marion. We can all look back at missed opportunities. But you have to leave the past in the past. And you have to start wherever you are. Because you have to make sure that it's God when he gives you the opportunity. But you can't look at all the mistakes you've made. You can't throw up your hands and say, I couldn't do that. Esther answered Mordecai in verse 16 of chapter 4. She said, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Thought about Pastor Rowe, and it's been a couple, three weeks ago, when he wanted us to fast. He wanted us to pray. God is getting ready to bring this revival, but if we're not fasting and praying and we're not doing our part, it, he will raise up somebody else to do it, is what it's saying. 
And you can read the rest of the book of Esther, and it's really interesting how that she used her influence to save the Jewish people. Her legacy was saving the Jewish people, but if she had not had her history and followed the instructions of Haggai and had the favor of God, she may not have had a story written about her. But she had all those things, and you have most of those things. You have the favor of God. What you do with it is your choice. Now, you can just let it lay there and never take advantage of it. There's a, a, a thing that I quote. I have this in my bathroom, and I try to quote it every day. Ephesians 3.20. For God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I think or ask. And I added this part. They didn't put it in there. According to the power that worketh within me. But because I honor him, I will, people will be good, go out of their way to be good to me. I am at the right place at the right time. I have God's favor on me wherever I go. Now, if I don't take enough initiative to speak those words out loud, and I could do a whole another sermon on your words and how powerful they are, but if you do not say anything, silence. And that's not good. You need to get the word of God in your spirit and in your mouth, and you need to sing it out loud. You need to speak it out loud. Because praise is not praise unless it comes out. If you're just thinking about it, you're just meditating. And praise is not praise until you bring it out. And you need to get the word of God. The word of God is as powerful today as it was the day that Jesus walked on this earth. And you need to use that power out and get that word out. It's not your words that's powerful. It is God's words through you that is powerful. And we need to do that. But we need to get prepared for the greatest revival. But if we just sit around and do nothing... He will raise up somebody else to bring that to pass. Uh, I saw this. Uh, I was going to tell you, too, your name will never be in the Bible because we're too late. I don't know if you knew that or not, but it'll never be there. We're too late. But there could be books written. You mean like the Azusa Street Revival about John Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, and a gazillion others that have done fantastic things for God. Somebody could write a book and say there was this great revival in 2016 and the gathering place people were right there on the front line. The gathering place was there praying for people and he may even be good enough to mention your name. But it can happen. But we have to do something. I got this quote. I don't remember now where I got it, but I got it somewhere. If you listen to the scriptures but never practice what they teach, then you're deceiving yourself that you actually believe them. That's Rhett Dodson. If you listen to the scriptures, but you never do, you never practice what they teach, then you're deceiving yourself that you actually believe them. I saw this thing on Facebook last night from Hope and Marion. It says... Keep praying. We are believing for great days ahead and transformed lives for those who call Marion area home. God is bringing a message of hope to Marion. And 2016. But you know, we have to be, we have to uh, not be afraid to try something new. We have not, can't be afraid of stepping out. I told my sister I'd put this plug in for her, and I almost forgot it. 
they have, she is involved in Children Evangelism Foundation. She says you can hardly get people to volunteer 45 minutes a week, or I think it's a week, 45 minutes, where they go into the schools. And it's from October to sometime in the spring. And that's all you do. They train you, you go in, and you plant the Word of God in this rich, young soil. And in order to get the heroin thing taken care of, you're going to have to start in a younger generation. I mean, God's able to deliver the ones that are there now. But we need to start back when they're young. We need to get this planted. We need to get the Word of God. Do you know one of the hardest places in a church to get anybody to do anything is in children's ministry? Can I have an amen? <laughs> that is the hardest place to get anybody to do anything because that soil is so rich and fertile. And when you plant the seed of God, the seed of the Word in that soil, it's going to take plant. It's going to take root. It's going to grow. But people don't want to do it. And that's a trick of the enemy. That is a trick of the enemy. But anyway, if you are interested in being involved in ministering to these kids after school from October till, I don't know, April, May, whenever, probably May, you come and let me know and I'll get you hooked up. But she said you can't get people to volunteer. But what I want to leave with you today is for such a time as this, for such a time as June the 26th, 2016, that we start today, that we are prepared, that when just like Esther, when it's, you're prepared to go in and stand, that God, that you will be prepared, that God will open doors, he will open doors for you, he will give you favor, but you have to prepare. And I just pray, I challenge you today to pray and be ready to step in to that place that, these, that Marion can be brought back. Marion has got a lot, a lot of good, uh, good things in it. It's got a lot of good things going. They are a very giving community. They are a loving community. But we need to stand together for this to come, for such a time as this. When you talk about legacies and building a legacy, that is the best legacy that you can build when you stand on the Word of God and you see it come to pass. <clears throat> I was thinking when I was sitting back there, uh, you know, when uh, back 200 years ago, when the Lord spoke to Jerry and I separately and told us that we would be married, we've been married 200 years. You know, it hasn't been like we thought it would be, has it, Jerry? And there have been times both of us has wondered, was that God or was that that other guy? But you know, whenever God sets something up, the Satan's going to come against it. And your responsibility is to stand with God. And your responsibility is saying, you know, I'm here, and I know God's going to hear and answer my prayer. I'm going to do that. So whatever God is calling you to do, I challenge you. I challenge you for such a time as this to be prepared. Because God wants to build a legacy with the gathering place in Marion, Ohio. I challenge you to that. Lord, I just thank you for your word today. I thank you, God, for all that you've done. I just pray, God, that the words, that your word, God, will go into the hearts and the minds of these people and that it will take root and grow and produce fruit. I just thank you, God, 
I thank you, God, for what you've done, but I thank you, God, for what you're going to do. I thank you, God, that you are preparing us for the greatest revival, Lord, that people will be saved, they will be set free, they will be redeemed, God, that they will be on fire for you, Lord. And I pray, God, that you deal with each one of us, Lord, on the level where we are. I ask you, Father, to, to disturb our sleep, God to keep us, God, where you want us to be, that we will be for such a time as this, and we will do what you want us to do, and we will never forget to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.